If you get shot or lose your head, every mother's son of yous will get a pension. Well, in the war I lost my leg, and all I know is I wouldn't peg. By my soul, it is a truth to you. And welcome to Fire Drawn Air, episode number 49. That was, of course, the unmistakable voice of Sinead O'Connor with a version of Paddy's Lamentation from her 2002 album, Shanos Nua. First of all, I have to say, last month I said that the episode was number 49. It was not number 49. I was completely lying. Um, it was 48, but I realised my mistake too late and I was able to change the title of it online, but if you listen to the episode, I'm actually saying it's number 49. Anyway, nearly at 50. It's This one is definitely 49. I am not mistaken. Um, so I wanted to dedicate this episode to the memory of Sinead O'Connor. It's, it's a really funny one. Like Usually the deaths of Irish celebrities don't affect me on any emotional level um, it's just something you read about it in the paper and you go oh you know that's you know it's never a good thing to hear about somebody dying but I'm like you know people who I know and like you know people in my friends families and stuff die all the time I'd have more you know more <laughs> that would create more of an emotional reaction in me than the death of a celebrity who I've never met before but Sinead was different I really Felt very sad over the following weeks after hearing about her death. Um, I I spent a you know spent a good bit of time like reading the articles about her, reading poems that had been written in her honor, um, 
look watching the documentary about her life um I, I don't know really like it really got me I really felt like it, we lost a very important figure like there's not that many figures in Irish public life that I think are worthy of looking up to or are like admirable people like there's plenty of them around who are doing stuff but not like at that level of fame I, ju I just don't get that from anybody but like Sinead Jesus Christ she was such an absolute legend in so many different ways like an absolute warrior of a person and just way ahead of her time I think the world just wasn't ready for her in so many ways um, I whenever I am talking about someone who's passed away on the show I, I often get this like feeling of imposter syndrome where there's a voice in the back of my head saying who are you to talk about this person you don't know them at all and it's true I don't but I'm trying to get past that because there's nothing wrong with paying tribute to somebody who passed away I had a weird experience whereby we found out that Sinead had died when we were on the plane on the way over to London to go to this publicity thing all about these Mercury Awards and so then when we were there it was like the day that the news was kind of breaking out so we were doing all these interviews with people and going so how do you feel about getting nominated for a Mercury Award like and we had to answer all these questions and then of course because we were the only Irish band there everyone's asking us about Sinead O'Connor and so uh, the news group Reuters were there or Reuters however you pronounce it and they like asked us the same question and I I suppose because they're some kind of news aggregate they sold on the video to other groups. Anyway, long story short, there was fucking an interview with us on RT News talking about Sinead O'Connor and I was going, what the fuck are they at? Like, there's obviously hundreds and hundreds of people in Ireland who could talk about Sinead O'Connor with far more authority than we could. We just were in the wrong place at the wrong time. The only story I can talk about about meeting Sinead in real life that I can speak with of any authority because it actually happened to me was at uh, Shane McGowan's 60th birthday. Um, I was standing at the side of the stage watching Nick Cave perform Summer in Siam and there was this moment where Shane was wheeled out in a wheelchair to join him and it was one of the most beautiful things. Like Whatever you think about Nick Cave and his politics, this moment was so beautiful and emotional the whole audience were just in bits and then I looked beside me and Sinead O'Connor standing there and I think the two of us were just in tears watching this thing but it was a, <laughs> earlier on in the day it was a really funny moment because my ma has this thing whenever you're in a singing session and someone like fucking kills it with a song she'd be like ah folly da folly da as in like you know try and follow that up or like fucking you know pity the fool who has to sing after that but I had that moment uh, with Lancome at Shane's 60th because we had to sing a song straight after Sinead had performed. She totally surprised everybody by turning up and singing a version of You're the One. Obviously, like, completely killed it and tore the house down, but happened to do it just before we went on, and it was the ultimate folly that moment. Um, it was mad. Amazing to witness and amazing to see all together. So I'm going to play a few more songs. I never realised how many versions of traditional songs she recorded. Most of them, um, I think maybe all of them, are going to be taken from her 2002 album, Shannos Nua. The next one I'm going to play is a version of Her Mantle So Green, a song which seems to have many versions stemming from the north of Ireland. Um, this is one of the broken token ballads. So the stories in these broken token ballads usually go two lovers part, maybe the man has to go off to war or something like that, and he leaves the woman 
and they break a ring in two pieces so that they will recognise each other when he comes back after a number of years. Then after a number of years, the man comes back and like tests the woman's fidelity by pretending to be somebody else and being like, oh, will you come away with me and marry me? Um, whereby the woman usually goes, no, sorry, I have a lover that I'm waiting on. Then the man pulls out the other half of the ring and is like, oh, ho, ho, it's me. So this is, I suppose, quite a well-known version of one of those type of ballads. Um, this is Her Mantle, So Green. In the rain 
as he lay dying, I heard his last cry. If you were here, lovely Nancy, I'd be willing to die. And as I told her this story, in anguish she fled. Go ring a 
Ragnar Vigdal with a track called Jesus din Sude Fordening at Smoge. Um, totally pronouncing that wrong. It's Norwegian. Um, it's from an album called Tonreis Till I Gammel Samtid from 1979. Um, very obvious religious kind of background to that. The label it was released on is called Kirkelig Culture Werkstad, which um, I don't know, does that mean like churchly culture workstation or something like that? But their mission statement is to bridge the secular with the religious and to bridge tradition with creativity. So funny because the majority of what I listen to from Norway is satanic black metal. So here's something <laughs> cool coming from the other side. Um, thanks a million to Marley for sending that on to me. I think it's a really great recording. Um, I'm going to try and get my hands on the rest of the album. Before that, we had Cormac Cannon playing a version of The Gold Ring. That one was a six-part version, which was um, pretty much the one that Ennis played, but with an extra part. So six-part jig there from Cormac Cannon. That appeared on The Otherworld book and double CD, which I've mentioned on the show before. And if you do get a chance to pick it up, it's absolutely 
deadly. Um, up next, I'm going to play a recording of the famous Liam Weldon from Ballyfermot. This is a version of One Starry Night, a song that he learned from the Travellers, I think, um, earlier on in life. I'm not sure where this recording stems from because I have heard him sing a version of it that's different with the group 1691. Um, this one I've had on my hard drive forever. If anybody can tell me where it actually stems from, I'd be really happy to hear that. But I think it's absolutely fabulous. Liam Weldon's singing is just above and beyond most other things I've heard in my life. This is One Starry Night. One starry night I lay sleeping One starry night I lay abed I dreamed I heard wagon wheels a creaking and when I woke my own love had fled I'll search the highways like wise the byways I'll search the boarings Camping places too. I will inquire all of our people. Have the tider tidings or signs of you? For it's many is the my love with you I've travelled. Many is the hour love with you I've spent. I dreamed you were my love. Forever, and but now I find love. You were only land. Well, I'm drunk today, love, but of times I'm sober. I'm a constant rover from town to town. When I am dead and my sorrow's over, Molly story come and lay me down. For it's many is my love with you I've travelled. Many is the hour love with you I've spent. I dreamed you were my love forever 
but now I find love. You are only left. Boston-based piper Joey Abarta with a track from his recently released album King of the Blind and that was a selection of hop jigs. Any old jig will do, the black rock and top it off, um, which you might know from the piping of Tommy Wreck. So according to his notes he said he found the first tune in the Roach collection in the hop jig section. 
He says, though it's also very popularly played as a slip jig. I first heard a version of the second tune from Liverpoolian Piper, or is that Liverpudlian Piper, now resident of Rhode Island, Patrick Hutchinson. I looked for it for a while and finally found it in Culclock's Tutor for the Irish Pipes, which was published in 1820. The last tune I learned from one of my favourite players, Tommy Wreck from Dublin. It has an odd timing in the end of the first part. I'm not sure if it was intentional by the source, but that's how I learned it. And indeed, I've come across that playing that tune in sessions and like some of the people playing it with that kind of little extra bit in the first part and some people not and it's it's a bit of a mess sometimes but then I don't know I don't like playing it the straight way because I've you know you learn a tune in a certain way and even if it's wrong you're going well fuck it that's the way it sounds right to me now for better or for worse but anyway sometimes um, strange and obscure Irish tunes just do not work played in sessions Next up, I'm going to play another one from Sinead, Lord Franklin. Now, this is a very well-known ballad. It's all about the fate of Sir John Franklin, who perished in 1847 while searching for the Northwest Passage. Um, so there were two ships on this expedition, the Terror and the Erebus. And if anybody has read this book, the Terror, it's fucking deadly. It's a book all about, like, you know, an, an imagined scenario about what happened to these two ships. And it's... It's really great, really creepy, really brilliant book. It's a it's a horror book. I'd call it a horror book. There was a TV adaptation which I think was all right, but maybe only came to about sixty two percent of what the book was. The ballad was first published in Joseph Faulkner's Eighteen Months on a Greenland Whaler, which appeared in eighteen seventy eight, and the song is in there as the sailor's dream. So it's, I think this ballad was written sometime between 1845 and 1859. So 1845 is when the original expedition started out from England and then Lady Franklin's personally funded expedition under Captain McClintock to figure out what happened to her husband and the rest of the crew on the ship. Um, that happened in 1859. It was under that expedition in 1859 that a stone cairn was discovered on King William's land with a message stating that the ships had been trapped in ice near Baffin land and Franklin had died there and then the rest of the company were making an attempt to go south over the ice. None ever arrived in the end. But really intriguingly, there was a native woman who told Captain McClintock that the men fell down and died as they walked. It was really weird that they couldn't survive by hunting or whatever. But um, who knows what happened. But I think the, <laughs> the book makes a really strong case for some supernatural madness. But anyway, obviously this great mystery of the sea was a natural subject for ballad makers. The song became huge. Loads of people have recorded it. But I think this version by Sinead is wonderful. This is Lord Franklin.
and that was Dragon Slumber, aka Ben Strong, with Phrygian version of Boys of Ledger. The full release of that is on Bandcamp. Check it out, some really interesting settings of some well known tunes. Up next, I want to play a song where I, I often use this as a kind of an example for people when I'm talking about the fact that you cannot judge a song by the company that it keeps, okay? When you hear fucking idiots like singing certain Irish songs you can't judge the song because of that sometimes songs are simply victims of their own success and they're great songs and that's why they've become oversung overdone treated very badly now I think the following recording really demonstrates that you can take a song that has been like butchered and bloodied over the years and like make something beautiful of it. It's Frank Hart performing the song Molly Malone at Augusta Irish Week in 1988. Now you can find this on Daniel Neely's YouTube page. Thanks a million Daniel for putting this up. I've watched it hundreds of times. It's one of the most beautiful recordings of a traditional song I've ever heard. That's all I'll say about it. It's Frank Hart, Molly Malone. Oh in Dublin's Oh. 
slip jigs, one of them not so well known and the other one quite well known on Brister Brajean and Nakanavine Vina. They appeared on his album Sean Reed's Favourite which I'm not sure the year early 90s I'm thinking. Really great album anyway. It's one of the ones I got in my very very early days of discovering Ill and Piping recordings um, I got out of the ILAC library and burnt it to my computer because um, I wanted to kill music. Up next is some more piping with Joey Abarta from the same album, The King of the Blind. This one is the lament for Limerick. And in the album notes, he tells us that this one is played on a D-set. He says, I can't place where I first heard this tune, but I've always associated it with the one of the first bands that introduced me to traditional music, The Chieftains. A short while after I started going to sessions, a new friend gave me a recording of Sean O'Reilly's Sean O'Reilly's Kultori Coolin, and their version stuck with me. This tune was written to commemorate the siege and fall of the city of Limerick in 1691 at the end of the Williamite Wars. Another tune from the harp tradition, it was first published in Neil's collection, 1724. The last old harpers at the Belfast Harp Festival in 1792 said that the tune was composed by the blind harper Miles O'Reilly, who was born in 1636. I have always loved the technique of what I call two-hand playing where one hand is taken off the chanter to play chords or melodies on the regulators and it's done 
very well here. After that, I'm going to play one more from Sinead at the end um, from the same album, Shannos Nua from 2002. That's it. Um, thanks a million for listening to Fire Drawn Air to the actual episode 49. Check out www.campsite.bio forward slash fire drawn air for links to everything I've done to date online under the fire drawn air moniker. And check out the Patreon too if you're interested. The Patreon subscribers are really what keeps fire drawn air going and giving me the time and the space to put aside so I can make these episodes for people to listen to. Um, thanks a million. Um, that's all really for now. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all soon. Take care of yourselves and good luck.
Diddle doodle diddle diddle dum. 